You are listening to the Tom Eliff Podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. Read to you, beginning verse 16 of Colossians chapter 2. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body, that is the substance, is Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he's not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by our joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you're dead with Christ from the rudiments, or maybe you have the word there, elements of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to the world's laws or to ordinances? Now, he's not talking here about being a good citizen. He's talking about worldly religious rules, such as touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility, that is, in exalting your will and in exalting your humility and neglecting the body or abasing the body. But now here's an interesting statement, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Literally, they have no value to conquer fleshly lust. That's what this means. All that religion doesn't have any value when it comes to conquering fleshly lust. Tonight, we're going to be thinking together in a few moments about judgmentalism. Uh, You being your own judge, you setting up standards which uh, you struggle to keep or struggling to keep standards which others have set up for you. Judgmentalism. And uh, this passage of Scripture speaks, I think, appropriately to that, and we're going to address it in just a few moments. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord now in prayer. Father, we're so grateful for these young people, for the testimonies of their songs, for the purity of their lives, for the future which they have before them, should you tarry, Lord Jesus, a future which uh, could be used to mightily change this world. I pray for each of them, dear Lord, that you would keep their lives pure and holy, that you would keep them as children of purpose for you. Father, I pray that as they begin to mature, I pray that they will be young people who live by your principles and who stand upon your word. Father, thank you for their parents who are here this evening, for their teachers who invested hours over this past year in sharing with them from your word, giving their lives to them. Thank you for that, dear Lord. Thank you for this Gideon ministry and what it means to us and what it has meant to so many millions of people around the world. My, when we think about it, what a wonderful opportunity we have in supporting that ministry this evening. Now, Lord, bless this, the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts through it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ask if you will, please, to open your Bible. And for a few moments, we're going to be looking at this passage in the second chapter of Colossians, beginning with verse 16, as we think together about judgmentalism. Judgmentalism. If I'm not mistaken, every person in this auditorium this evening 
either feels fairly good about the way things are going in your relationship with the Lord right now, or maybe you don't feel so good. Maybe, in fact, you feel sort of bad about that. Over the years, I've taken the time to sit down with people and just visit with them about their walk with the Lord, and I'll ask questions like this. Well, how do you feel things are going in your relationship with Christ? Oh, Brother Tom, things are really not going well. I mean, I'm probably at the lowest spiritual ebb I've, I've ever been at. Or um, they may say, Preacher, things have never been better in my walk with the Lord. I mean, right now, things are, are really super in my walk with the Lord. Now, the interesting thing is that that assessment of how things are going with them is usually based upon how they're performing in certain areas of their life. And if they feel like they have done pretty well in these areas, well, they feel like things must be all right with God. They feel good about themselves, and that feeling good about themselves to them may indicate, hey, everything's all right between me and God. Or if they've fared poorly in those particular areas of their life, they haven't performed properly, they think, well, God must not love me, and so things aren't going very well in my relationship with God. And the interesting thing is that in addition to those standards which you have for yourselves, there are a whole lot of people out there who would also impose their standards upon you. And so you say, well, you know, I thought I was doing pretty good till I heard that a Christian was supposed to do this, or if I really loved God, I was supposed to do that. And the truth of the matter is, now I'm just, I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you this evening. I don't have any reason to be otherwise. But the truth of the matter is, I think most Christians I meet don't feel very good about their walk with God. Most Christians I meet feel pretty, slow, pretty sorry about it. Uh, and, and I don't think God intends that to be. The truth of the matter is, the Lord wants your life to be a life that is filled with joy, a life that is filled with victory, he doesn't want you to be constantly retreating into some kind of a hole saying, well, poor me, I can't get my act together spiritually. I'm just a slob. I'll never be all right with God. And yet the truth of the matter is, if we were to take a survey in this auditorium tonight, there are a lot of people. In fact, I would say the majority of people who are here this evening, instead of feeling great about their walk with God, say, man, I'm just not living right. My spiritual life is a shambles. There's a cloud in your heart. And if we were to go any further, a lot of people here this evening who live under accusation. Now, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. But somehow, some way, there is a cloud in your life to such an extent that you do not believe you are ever going to really be able to do anything that's going to get God to love you like you'd like for God to love you. You're just convinced that it'll never be all right between you and God. Now, friends, that's not Christianity as Christ intends it. The Lord wants you to live a life of joy. That doesn't mean the Lord wants you to be happy about sin or the Lord wants you to be happy about a slovenly life in terms of spiritual disciplines, but all of those are issues with which you can deal and you can deal with them in a victorious manner. The Lord wants you to live a life of joy. That doesn't mean you're not burdened about certain issues in your life. But down deep, the Lord wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to learn how to enjoy the life that is out there. One of the reasons I am convinced that a lot of people do not spend more time sharing their faith with other people is because the faith that they have, frankly, they don't want to impose it on other people. The 
truth of the matter is, they feel sorry enough about the way they're walking with the Lord. There's no way in the world that they want other people to feel as bad as they do about the way they're living. And so they don't just rush out and share their faith because they don't have a sense of victory. They don't have a sense of joy. Now, how many of you, just by lifting your hand, would say, Tom, I understand what you're talking about. Would you just lift your hand way up? I understand what you're talking about. How it is that wake up in the morning feeling either good or bad about where I am with God based on something I did or something I didn't do based on the way my, my life has gone this week or the way my life has not gone. Well, that's most everybody here. Now, the Apostle Paul is addressing that issue in Colossians. He has already said to the Christians in Colossae, look, Christ has spoiled the enemy. He has disarmed him. He has put him on display. I mean, he is victorious over the enemy. Now he is saying, look, you believers in Christ, Quit mully-grubbing. I mean, get your chin off the ground. Realize what you have when you have the Lord Jesus. And don't let other people mess up your mind by their judgmental attitude, and don't you mess up others by your judgmental attitude. Twice, he says in this passage of Scripture, which I read a few moments ago, let no man judge you. Look at verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you. And then look down at verse 18. Let no man beguile you. And there again, the word literally is to judge you. Let no man judge you of your reward with voluntary, in regard to voluntary humility. And so I want you to think with me for just a few moments about judgmentalism. Judgmentalism, all right? Every once in a while, I'll meet someone who... Uh, in their mind, is walking pretty faithfully with the Lord. You know, their quiet time is really great. Their giving is up to speed. Maybe they've just led somebody to Christ, or at least they've witnessed or counseled with somebody and encouraged them in Christ. Uh, people at church seem to think things are going pretty good. And as far as they can tell, you know, I mean, with your quiet time and your giving and your soul winning and the folks at church thinks they're... Everything is, think everything is going well. I mean, you've got to think everything's pretty good. And so these people will talk with me, and they'll say, Brother Tom, you know, I just believe people really love God. I mean, this is the way it's going to be in their life. And what they proceed to tell me is that it ought to be with me the way it is with them. And the inference is, if I'm not doing what they're doing, and if I don't like what they like, if I don't think like they think and go to the same kind of things they go to and listen to what they listen to, then I must be less spiritual than they are. Well, I want to tell you something. If it's a bad day for me, I might agree with them. But if it's been a good day and I've been preaching, you know, well and pleasing myself and had a good quiet time, I may think they're not spiritual because they're not doing what I do and listening to what I listen to and reading what I listen, uh, what I read, all right? Now, the Apostle Paul is dealing with that in this passage of Scripture. So let me just point out two or three things here in the time that we have remaining. First of all, I want you to see a common procedure. This is a common procedure. Most Christians operate this way, and that is at any moment, most Christians either feel good or bad in regard to their relationship with the Lord based on a certain standard, a certain idea of what constitutes 
a really spiritual Christian. How many of you in your heart have in your mind a picture of what constitutes a spiritual Christian? If I were to say to you, describe to me a spiritual Christian, couldn't you write some things down? Well, a spiritual Christian does this and, and does this, and, and he, he lives his life this way. I mean, you have in your mind an idea of what constitutes a spiritual Christian. By the way, usually... When you're defining what a spiritual Christian is, you will, you will refer to three areas. You'll first of all refer to the areas that I would call the, the disciplines of your life. Your discipline. That has something to do with being spiritual. Secondly, you'll refer to, to what I would call the devotions of your life. You exhibit certain devotions to God. I mean, you're willing to go do anything at any time because you're so devoted to God. And finally, you'd be spiritual because the di desires of your life would be spiritual, all right? And so in these three areas, disciplines and devotions and desires, you have an idea of what a spiritual Christian ought to be. Now, here's the problem. This is the second thing I want you to notice. This is what I call a critical problem. The problem is this. If your standard for what constitutes a spiritual Christian, if that standard comes from God, that's wonderful. But what if your standard for what constitutes a spiritual Christian is not something that God has revealed to you, but something you've just heard from somebody else? Or maybe something, some, something that somebody just sat down and shared with you and they said, you know, if you're really spiritual, you're going to do what I do. You're going to get up at this hour. You're going to read this many chapters. You're going to spend this much time. You're going to give this much. You're going to share this much. You're going to take these many courses. What if your standards in those areas didn't come from God but came from other people? All right, now I want you to see what's happening. I want you to see what happens in the contemporary church. Here's, here's what happens. Most people sitting where you're sitting tonight have an idea of what constitutes a spiritual Christian based not on something God has revealed to you necessarily, but probably based on something someone you thought was spiritual told you about the way they live. All right? So you have an idea of what constitutes a spiritual Christian. And because right now in your life, you may not be living up to what they have said in their life constitutes a spiritual Christian, you're sitting here tonight under accusation. You're just sitting in church saying, I'm, this has just not been a good week. I'm not a very spiritual Christian. I've got to go home and get my, work, my act together. In fact, coming to church is sort of like going someplace to get beat up. You know, well, okay, hit me one more time. Tell me one more time how terrible I am, how low I'm living, what a terrible Christian I am. Come just, just wipe me out, you see. And we've almost gotten to the idea that we believe that the whole purpose of the church is to come so you can hear constantly about a standard of living that you can never keep. And so many people leave church under accusation. So what are we saying? The common procedure is this. I feel good or bad about my walk with God based upon how I'm doing in my disciplines, my devotion, and my desires. The critical problem is this. Most of us have an idea of what's good in terms of discipline, devotions, and desires based not on what the Scripture says, but on what somebody told us a spiritual person does. You say, is that really a problem? Well, obviously it's a problem because the Apostle Paul addresses, addresses it here. Notice, if you will, please, in verses 16 and 17. 
He says, let no man judge you in regard to the disciplines of your life. Let no man judge you in regard to the disciplines of your life. Let no man therefore judge you in regard to meat, what you eat or what you drink, or in respect of the way that you observe some holy day or the new moon, that's when they would have feast, uh, would be when the new moon came, or of Sabbath days. He said, all these things are a shadow. The shadow is not the real thing. They're just a picture of him who is to come. But don't let any man judge you in regard to the disciplines of your life. Not only that, he says, don't let anybody judge you and by judging you make you feel that your reward is gone in regard to the devotion of your life. Now, here's an interesting couple of verses. He says, uh, these people come along and they abase themselves. They're they're volunteers of humility, he says. Um, And they seem so spiritual. In fact, he says they worship angels. Not only that, that was a a problem in the, the Colossian church. He says they have visions. They intrude into those things which he's not seen, and they get vainly puffed up in their fleshly mind. In other words, he says, here somebody comes sailing along, and they just seem to be so stinking spiritual. And instead of that being an encouragement to you and a challenge to you, somehow that gets twisted around, and and all of a sudden you begin listening to them, and you realize what's happened. They're sort of puffed up in their mind. I mean, they're, they're really enjoying how humble they are. They're really enjoying their self-abasement. Well, you know, I've, I've not been eating this, and, and I, I get up at this time, and, and you know, uh, I don't ever do that, and, and I wouldn't dare watch that, or I don't listen to that, or I go here, or I go there. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> and he says, wait a minute, all of a sudden, the idea is, you know, if you don't do this, you're not, if you don't live like I do, you're not as devoted as I am. He said, don't let people put that on you. Don't let any man judge you in regard to your devotion. And then he says, don't let any man judge you in regard to the desires of your life. Look with me at verse 20. Wherefore, he says, look, if you're dead with Christ, which is what a Christian is, from the rudiments or from the teachings here of the world, the elements of the world... Why do you go out here like people in the world do and start, imp- start saying, look, as long as I can keep from wanting that, as long as I can just not watch that, as long as I can not listen to that, then I'm going to be a spiritual Christian. Now, you say, Brother Tom, are we supposed to just go out here and engage in sin and feel bad about it? No, I'm going to get to that. What I want you to see is this, and let me just, let me just move on to it because of time. I want you to see the, per, the correct perception, okay? The common problem, most people feel good. Most people really feel bad, but they feel good or bad based upon some standard that's in their mind. The, the critical problem is this. They get that standard many times from what other people say the Christian life's supposed to be about. And people start superimposing on them disciplines and devotion. Uh, you know, if you really love God, you'd do this or you wouldn't do that. And desires, well, if you really are turned on to God, you won't want that and you won't want this. All right, now here is the correct perception. All right, look up, let me see the whites of your eyes just a moment. Joy in your Christian life is going to come when you realize that God works from the inside out and not from the outside in. You know what the Apostle Paul says in this last verse here? He says, these things look smart. 
These things have a... She said they're not wise. He didn't say they're wise. He says they have a show of wisdom in will worship. In fact, they exalt what? The will of man. Now, let me tell you who... who the kind of people that can really be judgmental are the kind of people who are so strong-willed that they can say, I'll never do that again, and they just don't, and they think everybody's got to be that way. You know anybody like that? I mean, they can just make up their mind, and they, they're, they're going to kick a habit, and they're just through it. And the thing about it is, you can almost begin to worship your will, exalt your will, and say, look, I made up my mind. I wasn't going to do that. I mean, what's the matter with you? Are you not spiritual? Can't you make up your mind? I mean, just live right. Just do right. Have you seen that? You know what that is? That's saying you become spiritual by, by hemming yourself in with all these rules and all this religious behavior and all these demands that spiritual people say spiritual people ought to do. And what does he say here? Look at this. They have a show of wisdom. They exalt the will. In fact, they have self-abasement in them. They neglect the body. They say, you know, we're just, we're just doing it. Okay. But notice he, he says, not in any honor to the satisfying of the body. Literally in the, Hebrew, in the Greek, it means this. It has no capacity to conquer your lusts. So here's what happened. If you don't believe that you're, it works from the inside out, you surround yourself with all these rules, or people come and judge you. They say, well... You know, you need to start doing this. You need to stop doing that. And you say, oh, oh, good night. Okay, great. And they got all these rules. You wake up every morning and say, well, I didn't keep the rules. You go to bed at night saying, I didn't keep those rules. You go through your life feeling like you are a terrible, good-for-nothing Christian. You have been judged, not because God, but because you haven't kept all the rules somebody shared with you. You feel awful about it. Here's what's going to happen. The moment those rules any way are removed, you're going to discover that you still have got a problem inside your heart. All those rules did not conquer the lust of the flesh. They didn't conquer it. You know what's wrong with all that? It's a perversion of Christianity. See, it sounds right to say we ought to keep the rules. It is right to obey the rules, the principles of God. But if keeping rules was the way that worked, we would still be in the Old Testament. There'd be no need for the New Testament. You see, he said, I, he said you, we've had all these years of laws on stone. I'm going to give you a new covenant that says laws are on your heart. And I'm going to write my law, my principles in your heart. And you say, Brother Tom, it's what you're saying, then, that as a church family, we ought to just ignore any counsel. We ought to just not hear anybody when they say this is what, it, what constitutes a spiritual life and this is, not what, is this what doesn't constitute a spiritual life. Well, let me make a few suggestions to you here. Number one, don't let man judge you in regard to these things. Not man. You say, Whew. oh, wait a minute. Do let God judge you. Listen to what God says. In fact, that's what he says here in verse 19. He said, the problem with these guys is they don't hold the head. They're not, 
They're not following Christ from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. They're, they're not looking at Christ. They're looking at others. Don't let man judge you. Do let God judge you. All right? Number two, don't you judge other people. Don't you judge other people. Don't, you, don't, don't use this reverse weaker brethren kind of logic either. I, 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 I've had people come to me and say, well, you know, you ought not do that because, because I'm the weaker brethren and you're, you're creating a problem. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't have it both ways. You can't be the weaker brethren one minute and the stronger brethren the next minute. You can't be the paragon of spirituality one minute and the weaker brethren the next minute. You follow what I'm saying? So, so let's don't get involved in this reverse kind of, of logic kind of thing. What you need to understand is this. You nor I are in the business of being anybody's judge. Well, Brother Tom, it just seems like you're saying, then does it, does it not do any good to hear the Word of God? Oh, listen, the Word of God, the principles of God, the teachings of God, to the extent that everything lines up with what God is saying, it will be a minister of God to good for you. But do not believe that you are going to make yourself spiritual by putting yourself in a religious jail. That's not the way it works. Because true spirituality works from the inside out. You say, well, what's the, what's the key then? What's the key? Here's the key. The key is falling in love with the Lord. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with him. You say, well, I do that. No, I know some people who are in love with the law. I know some people who are in love with a system. I know some people who are in love with a way or a scheme or a plan or a series of points. They love it. It seems so systematized. It's so right. But true spirituality occurs when you fall in love with the Lord Jesus. I was visiting with one of our uh, university teachers here about men. We were talking about um, teachers in our church university um, department. We were talking about what do you do, what do you do to get university students to live like Christians ought to live. Uh, this is the very heart of that. The Apostle Paul is saying, look, the Colossians have made up their mind the way you ought to live. They have judged you in regard to the disciplines of your life, in regard to the devotions of your life, in regard to the desires of your life. And they have lifted themselves up, some of these people, to, to be so spiritual and imposed upon you their standard and said, if, it's not, if you're not living by my standard, you must not be spiritual. What, what does Paul say? He says, don't come under that. I mean, that's not even as good as the law of the Old Testament. That's human law. 
the Old Testament at least was God's law. Don't let any man judge you. What's the issue? The issue is this. It works from the inside out. If I have a major responsibility as pastor of this church, it is not to see that you behave. It is to encourage you to fall in love with Jesus. Do you get the difference? I mean, does that make sense to you? It's not my job to, to say, you, you say, well, Brother Tom, shouldn't you tell us what good behavior is? Of course, the Bible tells us that. Jesus, if you fall in love with Jesus, you'll hear what Jesus says. But if you don't fall in love with Jesus, you'll never really hear what he says. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If, you're really, if I'm really your Lord, you will keep my commandments. In fact, don't call me Lord if you don't keep my commandments. But it begins when I fall in love, when you fall in love with Christ. Let me share with you a personal testimony. This week, in a moment of candid honesty, as my wife and I were visiting one morning, early one morning, I said to her, you know, things are just not good in my spiritual life. They're just not good. She said, really? I said, yeah. I said, boy, I've got a lot of loose ends, got a lot of unright. You ever get, you ever feel that way? I mean, got just a lot of, just seems like the knots come off the end of the rope and it's just not all, it's not all together. It's not all packaged. And in specific areas of my life, I could see where, where I was failing. I mean, honestly, your pastor was really making a mess of things in specific areas of my life spiritually. I am sorry to admit this, but as, as we, I, we were lying in bed, I'd been up since early in the morning and she was awake because I was awake and the sun wasn't up. And, and so I said, I just want to tell you, it's been a long time since I felt myself that I was at such a, a low spiritual ebb. Now, part of it could have been an attack from the devil. Part of it could have been oppression, you know, satanic oppression, given all that. Well, how do, you, how do you deal with that? How do you conquer that? Oh, you just suck it in and start being disciplined. You just start having your time like you're supposed to have and witnessing like you're supposed to witness and getting it all together and plan it and, and you just start, oh, just suck it up and express your will and be spiritual. Uh, truth of the matter is, I was at a low ebb spiritually because I've been trying to do that. And I had discovered the truth of what the Apostle Paul says here. You can't exalt your will and conquer your flesh. You can't do it. What's the answer? Just fall in love with Jesus. That's the answer. I mean, just get with him. Get with him. Talk to him. Let him speak to you. Bear your heart to him. I mean, I was open and honest in my confession of this state to my wife, but I'll tell you, when it got to my time of confession with the Lord, it was a whole different deal, even more, because God's Holy Spirit was reminding me of things that were taking the joy away from my life and inserting a cloud in its presence. 
So maybe, you know, this is just a case of the preacher preaching to himself tonight, right? Maybe there's not one person here who's ever had the problem of feeling like you were either spiritual or not spiritual based on whether you had done your deal that day. I'm probably the only one. No, you know better than that. And there's probably nobody here who felt like you were either spiritual or not spiritual because you didn't live up to somebody's expectations. No, I think there's some others here. Listen, don't let man judge you. God's our judge. He's the judge and the same one who's a judge. You know what he is? He's also your justifier. You have an advocate with the Father. And the answer is not to go out here and say, well, things are coming loose in my life spiritually. I need more laws. No. The answer is, I need more love for my Jesus. How do I get that? Jesus, put it in my heart. Jesus, I'm coming to you, bowed before you and asking you to... Well, the psalmist said it this way, enlarge my heart. Give me a greater capacity to love you than I've ever had before. And if I love him, you know what will happen? The knot will get tied in the end of the rope, things will get brought together, and I probably won't have as much trouble keeping all those principles that I know a man ought to keep anyway. Judgmentalism. We're hard on people. People are hard on us. And that's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity is all about you letting the Lord Jesus be Lord of your life when you fall in love with Him. Now, you may be one of those unique people who can make up your mind and be spiritual. You can just do it. You've got that dogged, persevering, stubborn determination. You can just do it. I want to tell you something. Probably in hell, there are going to be people of our Lord's day, like the Pharisees, who were the most disciplined people. Hey, they could put you in the shade with their discipline. They had all the disciplines. They just didn't have the love for Jesus. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit somehow will just blow in a fresh breath through this place. Lift the cloud. Lord, bring to this altar men and women and young people who perhaps would say, that's right, I've been, you know, I'd get up every day and go to bed every night feeling terrible or feeling really proud because I'd done my deal or didn't do my deal spiritually most of the time feeling bad. Lord, bring them to this altar and say, Jesus, what I need is love for you. That's what I need. I need love for you. All the other will come, but first there's got to be love for you. That's where it all starts. The Christian faith, working in my heart from the inside out. A changed heart. And so, Lord, I pray you'd bring to this altar people who'd say, that's what I want. And I pray it in your precious name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just stand? Our praise singers are coming. And uh, we're going to sing a hymn or a chorus of invitation. Your personal invitation to come to Christ. There are people coming to this altar already. Good night. I'm all over the auditorium. You just come and kneel and say, Lord, <laughs> I know exactly what this is all about. And Father, I want to just confess it to you. Now, I believe there are some people here tonight 
who need to join this church, you need to find a counselor and say, look, we're coming, I'm coming to join this church. I believe there are people here tonight who have joined our church in recent days. We've not introduced you. and You know that uh, uh, we haven't. Well, you just come be seated over here where it says seating for new members. Maybe you joined this morning or last week or something like that. And you just be seated over here where it says seating for new members. And we'll introduce you at the close of the service. But you just come and say, look, I want to be a part. We want to be a part of what's going on in this church. God bless you, by the way. That's wonderful. Well, Father, move in our lives right now at this invitation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing that song that we were singing a while ago. And as we sing it, you just come onto this altar.